As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Built to Last show. It's Megan and the one and only Ryan Dowdy is in the house. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Megan, how are you? I'm awesome. I'm so excited for this conversation. I already told you that, but like, (laughs) I've been like behind the scenes watching you for a little while and then seeing you recently kind of make some shifts. I've been like, yes, hallelujah. Somebody else who is like my soul sister and like has the same beliefs and philosophies about business and growth and and all the things. Um, sometimes we feel like we are on an island in that. So I am so stoked to dive into this conversation. If you will take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, and then we're going to dive into this conversation that is going to be so valuable around reinventing yourself as a business owner. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you for the opportunity and the conversation and your kind words. So uh, my name is Ryan Dowdy. I live in Kansas City, Missouri, which Megan, I love that you were like Missouri or Kansas because not everybody knows that there's two. Um, I live in Kansas City, Missouri. I am married. I have a uh, almost 17-year-old stepdaughter, an almost five-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, and the world is a chaotic place most days, but I really love it. I, my background goes to the corporate world. Um, I accidentally wound up in sales at the age of 21 uh, when I couldn't find a job in PR, which is what I thought I wanted to do for a living. And I very quickly learned that sales and PR were extremely similar, except for when somebody said yes in sales, you got paid commission. And as a broke recent college graduate, I was like, I'm here for that. So I spent 15 years um, in sales and um, went from individual contributor to, uh, you know, regional sales trainer, national sales trainer, channel sales manager, and eventually retired from the corporate world as the director of sales for a digital advertising agency. So my entire career was spent selling marketing and advertising solutions. Never intended to become an entrepreneur, Megan. But um, after my son was born, who, like I said, will be five um, pretty quickly. I just went back to work and just had this really unsettled feeling, like something didn't feel right. And it was not an urge to be a stay-at-home mom. Like that's not in my DNA. That's not my thing. I adore my children. Uh, we had a snow day here in Kansas City yesterday. And I just thank God every day that my husband has infinitely more patience than I do because I, I would have died if I had to. <laughs> to navigate that the entire day yesterday. So, um, but it was just an unsettled in my career. I was like, is this really what God put me on this planet to do? Am I supposed to like, you know, just slave away for the man until I die? Um, But again, entrepreneurship still didn't, wasn't it yet. Like I just thought I needed an industry change. I'd been in marketing for so long that I was like, maybe I just need to shake it up, right? But as I started networking and talking to people, it was before the great resignation had a name. So this is back in like 2017, uh, 2018, and was talking to people and found that there were women similar to myself exiting the corporate world in droves, smart women, great ideas, wonderful at what they did, businesses not going anywhere. And it was this glaring lack of sales skills. Um, never having had to sell anything, um, the ability of how to do that, how to price their services, how to have a sales conversation, how to start a conversation with a stranger. And I was like, ooh, that, I I do that all day, every day. Like, that's what I'm really good at. I was literally training sales teams in the corporate world. 
it made perfect sense. So my first business venture was a, um, a coaching program, a coaching business where I helped. Our tagline was we helped high achieving women leave their nine to five um, and build businesses that you know put them in the driver's seat of their life. That was kind of our, our jam. Wildly successful, did that for two years, had a really cool opportunity to partner up with my then business coach. Um, on a second business that was called Social Sellers Academy. And there we were training sales teams for entrepreneurs and um, had a lot of fun with that. Did that for a full year. Again, wildly successful. And I just felt that tug again, Megan, that I something wasn't right. Uh, you know, something was still kind of warring within me about like purpose and what I was doing. And um, ultimately, very recently made the decision to retire both of those programs and, and both of those um models and go 100% in on building a community. It's called Be In The Room. And that community is a, a room. We say that our, our mission um, is to you know create a community of women who rebel against the status quo, right? Any woman who's ever been told that she's too much, too loud, too intimidating, every woman who's always kind of looked around and been like, I'm not like everybody else. What's happening here? Mm. Um, any woman who's ever been told that she's, you know, um, too much or her goals are too ambitious and, and that sort of stuff. So um, I'm in this really kind of wild season of reinvention and I'm having more fun than I've had in a really long time. Yeah. I love that. I'm glad that you said yes to the reinvention and listen to that. Um, and just like you, it's so fascinating when I hear people tell their backstory because I always find so many, I always find something that is really similar to my story as well. And just like you, I mean, it's a little different, but when we had Brighton, so Brighton's 11. Um, she's a girl. Some people think Brighton is a boy, but she's a girl. And I did leave the classroom. I left my job and I knew I was going to leave when I had her, but it was so uncharacteristic of me because I was the teacher who was a coach, athletic trainer. I was saying yes to everything. I was literally working 80 hours a week, making $32,000 a year. And um, I was like, I can't, I can't do what I'm doing here and also feel like I can be a really great mom. My mom was also an educator. So what was modeled for me and I'm interested to hear what was modeled for you as well. It was like my parents worked and the way to make more money, it was work more hours and work overtime as well. And um, like you, I got, you know, I got home and was super unsettled. And I was like, stay at, stay at home. Mama-ness is not for this one. <laughs> and um, again, I started networking. I just tried to figure out like, do I start a business? What do I do? And my husband is who got me interested in coaching because he was already coached. So we definitely share that similarity. So, okay, here's what I want to ask you first. Um, based on some of our previous conversation that is not recorded, you know, I know that part of your growing up and becoming an adult, it was like, get a job, work really hard, do what you're told to do, stay there until you retire. Was that something that you saw growing up in your household? Did your parents model that for you and kind of instill that in you? Yes, uh, they did. You know, my, my dad was the, the hard worker, right? My dad had a blue collar job. He was a truck driver. Um, and that was, you know, union guy. So it was, it was the pension world. So like you just went to work and you lived there, you worked there forever. So you could collect a pension that. Yeah. My dad worked for um, blue collar. My dad was blue collar, worked yeah. for the power company. It was progress, CPNL, progress energy, Duke energy bought it. Worked there for 48 years. Yeah. Yeah. So similar. My dad retired last year. Um, I, I don't, I forget how many years. Cause he did, he worked for one company for, you know, several 10, 15 years. That company closed their plant in Kansas city and he had to make a move, but that was the only reason he made a move. Like it wasn't, he would have, he would have worked there for 48 years if he could have. The only reason he made a move was the financial situation, but in the world that he lived in, 
he, you know, was a seniority thing. And if there wasn't work, you didn't work. And so like he, he always had a couple of jobs, right. Until he had enough seniority to, to not get bumped. Um, but there were times he worked four to 12 or he worked midnights because of the shift differential, right. Because he could work midnights and still pick up a few hours here. So he was, you know, he was kind of the hard worker. My mother always worked part-time when I was younger. Um, and then eventually, but yeah, she was at the same company from when I was, you know, five until she just graduated a few years ago as well. But what's really wild about my mom is because she had probably was in the same role, Megan, for like almost 15 years because she didn't have a college degree. And in that company, that was like, she had reached the ceiling for what that company was willing to pay her for not having a college degree, even though her impact did not stop growing. Mm-hmm. Right. The work that she did did not stop growing because the business didn't stop growing and she worked in, you know, consumer packaged goods. So it was that game has totally changed. Right. Um, and, but like her income was basically aside from bonuses, she was eligible for bonuses, but like she could not get a salary raise anymore because she didn't fit the criteria to go to the next tier. Um, but yeah, they were hardworking people. Uh, you know, I was a scholarship athlete. Uh, and, but it was also because, you know, we don't, if you, if you want to, you want to go to school, like that's, that's the ticket. Otherwise you're going to go to state school and stay home. And I grew up in a small town in Kansas. And I was like, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do I get out? I yeah. guess I'll go to the gym, figure that out. Yeah. So, you know, you did your corporate career, you started your coaching business. It was in sales. And I hear you're doing a little bit of a reimagining what that business is about. And I also know you had really, really great success really fast. I mean, you hit some really big numbers really fast. You kind of hit the holy grail in the coaching space. Didn't did you hit like a million last year, year before? Uh, last year. So I actually just did the math the other day because somebody asked me a question. Since 2019, between the two businesses, um, I've generated 1.9 million dollars since. Okay. Okay. So most people would be like, "Why in the world would you change anything? Why would you shift out of that?" Mm-hmm. Can you kind of just speak a little bit into what was going on? You know, you came in fast success, a lot of money. Everybody thinks you've got it made. You're in like literally the top 2%. You're probably in the top like 0.0001% of the coaching industry. What, what kind of was stirring inside of you? Great question. Um, and you know, the biggest thing was the ability to get results for my clients was really kind of the first thing because there was a piece missing. Like I am a strategist. I am a doer. I can do it all day long. I can give you the checklist. I can give you the blueprint. I can tell you how to do all this stuff. But some of our clients were successful and some weren't, Megan. And we gave them all the exact same information. And as somebody who, it was very important to me that my clients were successful. And if I'm really honest with myself, this goes back to probably that first year even. And I'm like, why is that girl killing it? And that girl not? Like, I don't understand. But it came down to it came down to mindset. It came down to conditioning. It came down to stories. It came down to how they grew up and their money stories. And it just honestly started to feel like I'm doing people a disservice if I only tackle this, this blueprint, because if, if, if blueprints were enough, right? Like we could all read a book and we'd be successful, right? There's so many amazing books out there about business and life and, you know, anything you want to learn, you can learn how to knit if you want to, but like, why is everybody not successful? It's not lack of access to information. And then as the coaching information has industry has exploded, it's not lack of coaching, right? It's not lack of accountability because that's what I first thought was missing. They just need more accountability, right? So we added accountability coaches to our business. Um, and still, you know, it didn't really up. 
the success level that much. The ones who were killing it were killing it. And the ones who weren't, weren't. Um, and so a lot of it went back down to like, why, why, why? And then I started on this personal development journey of my own where, why do I feel the need to keep chasing a number? Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah, I mean, I thought we'll just, we'll hit this number. We'll do this thing. We'll retire my husband. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then I'll be happy. And I'm using air quotes. Right. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy. I wasn't miserable, but that, that feeling of fulfillment, that feeling of connectedness, that feeling of like really feeling like, you know, I was doing good in the world and I was living my purpose, what God put me on this planet to do never happened. Um, and so I started to look inside, right? Like where, what's going on here? Why is this not happening? I'm, I'm doing the things, like you said, I'm in the top 2% of businesses, top 0.001% of coaching businesses. I should feel like I'm on top of the world and I did it. Yeah. Um, so I went internal, you know, I went inside mm-hmm. and, you know, hired a coach, worked with a really great coach, really getting into the subconscious and, um, you know, our programming and all of the different things. And then realized that that people need to know this, right. And they need to know, um, cause I think a lot of people tell themselves every day that it's them, right. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. You know, that person used that person's blueprint. They're making a million dollars and I, and I'm not, and yeah. then it just perpetuates the, you know, perpetuates the story and the, the self-hate and all this other drama. And so um, I think big picture, I really want to marry the two things. I want to marry our, our, our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and our, our consciousness and our programming and sales and business, because I do think there's a way to pull them together. And that's kind yeah. of the journey I'm on right now. Yeah. I guess what I'll ask you next is this, when you were growing that business for those couple of years, were you, was someone like guiding you or coaching you or mentoring you to do it in a certain way? And so you did it in that certain way, but in the back of your mind, you kind of like felt, "Mm, I'm not quite sure if this is it. Was that happening at all? No, I mean, I did. I had a coach and I followed her blueprint to the nines and it it worked for me and and not necessarily. um, It didn't, it didn't, it didn't come in later. Yeah, it was like, while I was doing it, while I was in that space, while I was, um, you know, growing that business, it never really, that wasn't where the red flag started. The red flag started after the money had rolled in and I was looking at my clients and I was expecting to feel a different way. Because yeah. uh, I believe that any business strategy works, right? Like, I don't think there's one or like, I, I'm a, like one of our core values that be in the room is both and. Um, so for me, it wasn't the model. There was nothing wrong with what she was teaching. It yeah. was why do some people take what she's teaching and turn it into a million dollars? And why does somebody else take it and, you know, just wind up hating themselves more because they can't make it work? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's actually, so one of the, one of the um, questions that I hear the most, because most people in the industry know that I worked behind the scenes for a really large coaching company. That's like part of my whole story. And one of the questions I get asked the most is, what did, what did you learn while you were there about why some people got incredible results and so many people did not? And it was actually that experience for me when I got to see a thousand people go through the same program, had access to all the same features, the same blueprint, the same coach, the same calls, like everything. And we would see five to 10% of them actually get what the promise was on the sales page. And then the other 90 to 95% would not. And it is exactly what you're talking about. And that was something that while I was there, I was like constantly trying to like crack the code. And just like you, it was like, let's get more accountability coaches. Let's get more of this. Let's do more of that. And it was, you know, when I stepped back and I looked at, well, what was coming out of those people's mouths that were not making progress? And on the Q&A calls, they would literally tell the same story from the past whether it was 10, 15, 20, or 30 years ago. 
And the way that they would start every single one of their questions for an entire 12 months, even at live events too, they would start it with the same sentence of that story from the past. So to your point, that so much of that internal work and the subconscious and even faith, like it all plays such a role if we're just showing up talking about business, that's that's not the only thing that people need. And I think that's what um, I was sharing with Ryan earlier before we pressed record that something that I actually kept really silent um, until a recent post I made was about how frustrated I was for the last probably two years and just kind of suffered in silence, just thought about it in my head all the time. Like, what's wrong with me? Am I not a good coach? Do I not know what I'm doing? Why are some people getting results and some people aren't? And then you just start piling on more features and more support and bending over backwards and overextending yourself. And then you find yourself burnt out, you find yourself exhausted, and you find yourself, like you said, just kind of like unfulfilled, even though boatloads of money has come in the door. It sounds like we've had a pretty similar experience with that. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, the program, all the bells and whistles. And again, and what that also does, and this is also something that's not talked about, is those great big top line numbers. They're not bottom line numbers because you keep stuffing stuff in your, your programs to try to create more, you know, it's like, oh, you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll throw in an in-person event, right? And those cost money. Um, we'll hire more coaches and that costs money. Or we'll, you know, we'll do this and, and that costs money or we'll do that. And da, 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 da. So then the, the, the two things are happening, right? You're burnt out, frustrated, your clients aren't getting results and your big top line numbers become very, t- very tiny bottom line numbers by the time you put in all those things. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, I did that. My first program, it was, is this big behemoth of a, program and it had coaching calls every single day in every single area. We brought in a mindset coach. We had a, a, a copy coach. We had a, somebody who was a pro at productivity and time management. You know, like we were coaching live all the time. We had a Slack channel where you could ask questions every day. Like we gave, we gave so much uh, and I love doing it. Like I was not resentful of the work I was doing, but at the end of the day, it's exactly what you said. It's just a small percentage of people yeah. actually the result that we were promising. I literally had the same kind of program, every single thing you just said. Um, Okay. I imagine people listening to this who are thinking about shifting into something else that they really feel called to go in or integrating two worlds together. I think we hear that a lot, like what you're doing. Have you had any fears about making this change? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Be honest, Ryan. What are they? Uh, They are all the fears, right? I mean, the first fear is the most common fear. What will people think? right? Like I am so, and this is not intended to be an arrogant statement, but I have built a brand on being the sales girl, right? So it's like, are people even going to take me seriously? Are people even going to to care? Are they even going to, to listen? Are they going to want to be a part of this? Like, I mean, all the drama comes up. So it starts with what will people think? Mm-hmm. And then the fear of, can you make money not selling money? Mm. Right? Because you know, the, the, you look around at the coaching space and your Facebook ads and your newsfeed and everything. And it's the people shouting the loudest about the amount of money that they're making. They are like, okay, but you know, when you create a a program or a business that isn't directly tied to, I helped so-and-so leave their nine to five and scale to, you know, $30,000 months in 18 or 19 months. Like when you don't have those kinds of success stories, are people going to want to work with you? Right. Um, so, you know, what are people going to think? Are people going to pay for this? 
Um, can I do this? Like, again, the reason sales felt so easy for me, I'd done it for 15 years, Megan. Like I had all the experience, right? Like I know business inside and out. I have probably consulted in more businesses just from like trying to sell advertising for 15 years than most coaches even see come through their programs in a year. You Mm -hmm. know, I have seen the behind the scenes for more businesses than, than anybody. So then it was like, well, can I even do this? I mean, any good at this, this is new, you know? So this is a new thing that I'm learning. Can I, can, can I, can I monetize that? Can I, are people going to care? Can I get them results? Can, you know, is this a community people are going to want to be a part of? Like every insecurity that any other human has, like I have right now. Yeah. Well, I think that's important to share too, because there's this idea out there that once I get to a certain level or I make it quote unquote, and typically that's like, you know, once somebody hits a million dollars a year, they think all that's going to go away. There's still drama at every level. There's still the mind chatter at every level. And it's the same. It's the same. 100%. Yeah. Did you have any fears about like looking at your bank account, knowing how much money you had brought in, you had built a community, you built a brand with that. Now you're going to reinvent yourself. Did you have any fears about, am I going to be able to like pay my bills? How long is it going to take for me to make the amount of money that I want to make with this? Like, did that come into play as well? Because I think a lot of people don't shift, even though they feel it inside because of they're afraid they're not going to make the money to be able to match whatever they were doing before and keep up with the lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, all of those things crossed my mind. (laughs) Some days I'm still like, shit, maybe we'll just go back to coaching. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how do you, I mean, so clearly you have those fears. How are you working through them? Because I see you showing up. I see you filling your retreats. I see you talking about being in the room. You're out there. You're doing it. People are saying yes you're still taking action. So what is getting you through this period? I mean, I think it's, it's the action. I think it's because I've never not existed with some level of fear, Megan, you know, I mean, even because before in my business, even though our businesses were again, top line revenue, big, pretty fun, you know, the fear was then is, is that person going to be able to pay their mortgage? Am I going to be able to do enough for that person to send her kids to private school? The fears just change, right? Like it's, it's not the, the fear never really goes away. Um, and then also I, the reason now I think it's even easier to show up is I do feel really, um, really tied to the mission of what we're creating. And, um, if I don't talk about what's going on with me, like I leave other people to sit and watch this highlight reel of what's happening in people's lives. And I'm like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Um, so some of it is, is it, I don't want to say the sense of obligation because that usually feels negative, but to me, it's like, no, like we need to say the things that people don't want to say. Like we need to say these things out loud. Like I I have to, like now that I've discovered it, now that I know, now that I'm experiencing it, I can't keep it quiet. Like, so for the entire last year, like all of 2021, I just, I really struggled to create content. I didn't have anything interesting to say. And I'm very grateful. I have an amazing team that held me afloat. And I was like, just sending them sound bites. Um, or like forwarding them emails I liked and like, how can we, you know, how can we pull our mission into this? But like, now I can't stop. Like it's yeah. just constantly flowing out of me. Um, and so to me, it's like, now it's this obligation in a positive way, not obligation in a negative heavy way, but to, to share the things and to do the things scared. Um, because if I'm going to stand here and say that we want to build a community of women who do hard things and do things scared, I have to do the things scared. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of it is faith. Like I would be 100% lying if I felt like, you know, like I'm not just putting one foot in front of the other and trusting that the opportunities are going to arise, the people are going to show up, the the, the phone is going to ring, um, you know, the, the right TikTok video is going to go viral. Like right now we're just, 
one foot in front of the other, do the things and trust that the opportunities. So some of it's doing it scared and feeling that obligation, but some of it is just trusting that, you know, God wouldn't have put this on my heart. He wouldn't have shoved me this hard in this direction if he wasn't going to catch me. Yeah. Tell us about what be in the room, that brand and that mission means. So it really, uh, Megan came from, um, it's what's really wild. And I didn't tell you this before we hit record. Um, I had written down the entire be in the room concept in a little Google keep note in February of 2021. So mind you, Megan and I are recording this in February of 2022. Uh, Wrote it all down, right? I just left my first in-person mastermind um, that we were able to attend. That was like from the COVID experience, right? And it was incredible. Like I left on just this like incredible high. And I was like, this is so cool. Why do we wait? Why do we wait to do this? Like until we're making a million dollars. That's stupid. So the first idea was like, why don't we just create a place for really smart women who aren't at the seven, the seven figure mark. Right. So that was the first idea. Uh, But then as again, when I was starting to feel the unsettling, I started talking to people and then I was like, well, why are we leaving employees out of the conversation? Like I have a girlfriend who just did a Ted talk and you know, works for Microsoft. (laughs) She's got something to contribute to sales and business and marketing. Right. But like, she can't even get in the rooms that we're in. Right. And so like, it just all kept kind of coming together. And then I was like, okay, well, we put the women who want to build million dollar businesses over here and we put the moms over here and we put the lifestyle businesses over here. And then we put the employees on like a totally different Island over here. And I was like, we're just leaving really smart women out of conversations. And you know, you get to a certain point in business and life in your career where it's not another $30,000 coaching program, right? Like you don't need more strategy. You don't need another tactic. You don't need another blueprint. You just need people, yeah. right? You need a cup of coffee with a friend. You need somebody to throw eyes on your sales page and tell you it sucks. You need somebody to talk you through, you know, how to fire that employee that you're devastated that you have to hide, fire, but you don't need to go join a coaching program or buy a course to do that. You just need people. And so the mission is about creating that space where we can go to have the tough, vulnerable conversations that we can't have anywhere else out of fear of judgment by the people who might buy from us, um, fear of judgment of the people who we work with, um, you know, for, for my employee friends, like you can't go complain to your boss about his boss, who's an a-hole, right? Like you can't do that. Yeah. That's not allowed. So where do you go to ask for support to how to navigate a difficult conversation? So the movement is about creating community and creating a safe space to have the tough conversations that nobody wants to have, because when we have them publicly, we are, you know, we're seen as, um, I've been accused of being all of these things in the last seven days, um, being privileged, being classist, being tone deaf, being insensitive, being uh, like all of the things that, you know, happened. We had a TikTok video get picked up. It by no means went viral, but it got real dirty real fast. And that's what I was told that I was classist and privileged. And I was like, okay, mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mean to be classist and I, I am privileged. I, I can't not be privileged. You know, I'm a white woman who was born in the Midwest. Like I, I can't not be privileged to a, yeah. to a parent family, like nothing I can do to change that. But so when, when you're, when you reach a certain level of success, people think you're programmed, like you don't have problems. They think that your the struggles go away. And so then there's nowhere to go to do that. And I love coaching. You know, I'm going to continue coaching. I'm going to continue to invest in coaching, but sometimes the answer isn't coaching. It's community. It's support yeah. people. And that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think when, like what you're talking about, when we get to a certain stage of life, when we get to a certain stage of career or business or entrepreneurial growth, it, you the tactics are the tactics and the strategies are the strategies and the principles are the principles and they're not really going to change. I mean, they're just not. And I, you know, we're probably really close in age and we probably work with clients who are also a similar stage of life. It's like, we're all in the second half of our life now. 
And it's also really challenging just on a personal level. It's very challenging at our age to find friends, right? right? So yes, part of it is, of course, like you and I both love business and you love the front of the house, the sales and stuff. And I'm like back of the house stuff. We can talk business all day long, but women also need friends. They need like a shoulder to cry on. Um, you know, when, when you work with clients and you're in these communities, you find out like somebody's husband is dying. Somebody got diagnosed with cancer. Somebody's experiencing, you know, death for the first time. Like, but we're not talking about those conversations out loud. Like how many people do we actually have to talk to that about, but who also understands our drive, who understands our level of professionalism, who understands how serious we are about the impact we want to make. It really is a both and it's an integration of both life and business and having conversations that are on a completely different level of what you're going to find in any type of coaching program. I love that you're creating what you're creating. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Um, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uncomfortable, um, but I'm also having more fun than I've had in a really long time because, you know, I, I, and some of it is I, this actually just popped into my head. This is the first time I said this out loud. Like I no longer have this like giant weight on my shoulders to fix things for people. Like yes. I think that's something nobody talks about when it comes to coaching, right? Somebody's business isn't working. And like, it is your responsibility to fix it. Even though there are 4 million things outside of your control. Right. So like in this community, you know, I was teasing my sister about it the other day. I'm like, no, I'm just selfishly creating what I need. Yeah. Right. What I need, which is, which is people. Um, mm-hmm. Because I do think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of business um, places to go. Right. There's a lot of business networking groups, there's masterminds, there's coaching and the personal space, right. It's, it's Bunko and it's uh, you know, wine night and, and girls night and all this other stuff. But like, where do we get to go to be both of those people? Right. Exactly. Be, you know, a mom and a wife and, and whatever, or to not be right. Somebody commented on something I, I posted on TikTok. I, I said something about like not being a mom and she's like, you don't even know, like there's not a marketing message out there geared at a 30 something year old woman that doesn't make her a mom. She's like, so imagine trying to be 37 and not have kids. Like, yeah. Right. Like, so where the hell do you go in entrepreneur? Yeah. yeah. You know? So for me, it's, it's just creating, creating cool conversations, open conversations, um, helping one another out. So it is, it's, it's friendship, it's business. It's, um, you know, it's, it's the whole person it's, it's yeah. mindset, it's life. It's the things. Well, I have a feeling you are pioneering a brand new movement in the entrepreneurial and personal spaces. So I love it. I'm going to be a big fan and follower of of you and your work. How can people find out more about the Be In The Room brand movement and opportunity to to be part of what you're offering with that? I know you have retreats and probably some other things going on. Yeah. So yeah, we have a a virtual membership. We do like this. We're doing this really small group retreats. And then um, we are working on our first like mastermind, like true hotel style, like mastermind uh, in September of 2022. Um, So you can go to be in the room.org talks a lot about us, our mission, our membership. We are on um, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Ryan Dowdy official. And then, you know, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn as, as Ryan Dowdy, obviously the business has all the business pages. Um, but I'm a big fan of connection and conversation. So, um, don't be afraid to reach out to me personally. Um, I love to connect. I love to talk to people, but yeah, if you're just like, Hey, where do I, where do I get the quick and dirty on this? It's be in the room.org is a great place to start. Our social channels are awesome, but never hesitate to reach out to me directly. As well. 
Awesome. Well, if you are listening to this and you want to check that out, you can find all those links in the show notes below and go check out Ryan, connect with her. And she, she is easy to talk to. She has a heart of gold. She's creating something so fabulous for, for women in this space. So thank you so much for being here, Ryan, and just sharing so truthfully and transparently about your journey of reinventing yourself and really stepping into where you feel called to go at at this point in your career and your life. It's really refreshing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for the opportunity and the conversation. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.